and welcome to the latest Sounds of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Rhett Larson. So Rhett is currently the strength and conditioning coach for the German women's volleyball team. He also held the same position for the Dutch and the Chinese women's volleyball team. He's also recently written the warm-up book chapter for high-performance training for sports, so the updated new version, and that makes him the perfect person today to discuss why you should be using the warm-up to get the best out of your athletes. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Rhett onto the show. So Rhett, welcome to the Science Support Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Man, my pleasure too. This is fantastic to talk to you. It is going to be an absolutely brilliant conversation. But first things first, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Ah, yeah, sure. I am currently the strength and conditioning coach for the German women's volleyball team. Um, but this is a relatively new gig for me. As you know, I was uh, the same position with the Dutch women's volleyball team for a couple of years. And before that, I was with the Chinese volleyball team for a bunch of years. So even though, although that's, I guess, the accumulation of all my volleyball experience, before that, I worked with lots of different sports. It just seems to have happened that uh, and everyone thinks that I can only work in volleyball anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you can get uh, you can be reined in with jobs from other sports if you wanted to, but um, <laughs> yeah, you, if you're if you're delivering success and, uh, and quality, then I can imagine that people keep wanting to keep keep you on in the same job, right? Oh, fingers are crossed for that. <laughs> so we're here to discuss warm-ups, right? Um, now, I'm yep. not going to link everyone to the warm-ups where you're dancing around and doing uh, <laughs> super funky shit. But can you, give us, uh, can you give us a quick why as to why it's so important that practitioners are really focused on providing a really high-quality warm-up? Ah, well, first of all, um, that is a new record for how quickly someone's mentioned the dancing uh, while talking to me. Uh, so I appreciate we, 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 that part. We, we talked for like 10 minutes before this as well. So there's that. I know, included? that's true. You get, you get credit for that. You get okay. credit for that. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, warm up is, I guess, pretty simply just a series of activities that a coach throws together that are designed to increase the internal temperature of the athletes that they're training, hopefully putting them through some 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 shapes and some ranges of motion that are specific to their sport and maybe even getting their muscles uh, activated and ready to fire at the frequencies needed to be successful. But you know, generally speaking, I think that that with such a broad definition of what a warm up is um, allows a ton of really fun freedom to be more creative than most co- than I see most coaches being. Uh, to actually get a little bit more out of that warm up. And, you know, you ask, why is it important? Well, <laughs> for me, it's important because it's another time I get to work with my athletes. Like, I don't know. If, I don't know about you, but I I would love to be able to get I'm going to make them better if I get more time with them. And if I only get three strength training sessions a week or, or maybe even less than that, then for me, I'm not that's that's not ideal for getting mastery or getting strength or getting movement quality, uh, some actual changes in some of that. Well, so that time for me during warm up is important because it's an, uh, another time to start working on fundamental movements. Or, you know, if my team is really inflexible, it's a time to start really working on flexibility. If they have uh, knee problems or shoulder problems, it's, it's a time to do a therapy session. So. Uh, Without getting you know too granular yet, it's important because it it it's so it it's so malleable 
into solving the problems that my team might be having on the court. I think that's, that's a really interesting insight that can be used for so many different things and not just jogging around a pitch, for example, which is probably the traditional thing from uh, 20 or 30 years ago. Um, right, right. Oh, um, you know what? Matt, yep. I just thought of something. Yep. And, and here's kind of maybe a hot take. Maybe this is a little too early for a hot take. Not at all. Not at all. It's I, never too early for it. <laughs> when, I, when I take a step back and actually think about warm-ups, I, I often wonder whether or not our goal should be to make athletes less dependent on a warm up, like isn't it a weakness um, of a team or of an en- individual that they need some fifteen minute preamble full of maybe placebo inducing movements and exercises and foam rolling that makes them feel ready? Like, shouldn't your athletes be able to download ninety percent of their athleticism at a moment's notice? Like, isn't it just a little bit of fragility in the system when you need to go through a bunch of prescribed stuff? I I wonder about that sometimes, even though I just wrote a huge chapter on (laughs) the benefits of the super warm up. Like, I often think, I mean, you know, a cat doesn't need a warm up before it goes and sprints out of, you know, a dead sleep. Like, shouldn't you be able to, to do that? I mean. I mean, if you say no, if you think that your athletes actually do need all that, then what are you doing for your bench players that like, you know, warm up with you and then sit on the bench for 30 minutes before they have to go in? Like, are you noticing they're all getting all getting injured immediately? Are you noticing that they that they, none of them are very athletic when they go in? Uh, so anyway, all right. That was just a little side rant. No, no, no it's, but... it's, it's super interesting. I think uh, the older I get, the more I need the warm up. So maybe for the younger guys, it's, it's super easy. And yeah, I mean, you're probably a, a supple leopard yourself when it comes to getting in a gym, right? Maybe you uh, you just rock up and uh, you're able to run around. Couldn't but... be more wrong. Everything <laughs> I just said is very theoretical. But <laughs> but, but yeah. even so, right? Yeah, to, to your point, I, I I see if I watch the football on the weekend, for example, I'll see the the guys from the bench. Um, they ju- they just booting a ball around somewhere on a pitch. I'm like, these are multi-million pound euro dollar athletes and they're just smashing a ball around and then they walk onto the pitch having done a little couple of stretches uh, up and down the sideline and all of a sudden they're really good at football or whatever sport it might be and I'm like "Mm, yeah that probably could be optimized um, whether it's more or less but yeah there's certainly something to be said for just being able to be quite athletic with a minimal amount of of mucking around beforehand yeah maybe uh, and on that note like Maybe this is just a reminder to not take ourselves too seriously as strength and conditioning coaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's it's more difficult for the coaches who only get a warm up, um, and then you yeah. have to treat that as seriously as possible because, yeah, of course, that's that's your thing. But um, yeah. yeah, it would be nice to to be in a position where you can use a warm up for something a little bit more constructive than uh, than yeah. joking around the pitch or yeah, treating it as if what you're doing is going to cure them of all their maladies and uh, make sure they're performing optimally at any given second. But uh, before we Amen. before we start before we start ranting on too much, otherwise we're just going to spend like thirty minutes talking about this. Um, what do you think are the most key components of a warm up? Right. So what what kind of structure does it need to have to make mm. sure that you're hitting all of the appropriate things before mm. they go onto the pitch? Um, getting the muscle tissue warm. Full stop. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. All right. No. All right. So it's not it's not that simplistic, but from an injury prevention standpoint, it honestly is. I mean, if you only have if you're if you're late or something and you only have five minutes to warm them up, we know the most important part is 
in you know in the phrase warm up it is warming the tissue up that's what's been proven to be really the only thing correlated with or causative of injury is just colder tissue so if i only had 5 minutes it would just be a series of calisthenics and movement patterns that you know like i said would get my athletes eventually into the shapes that they would need uh it would it would be to get them into the ranges of motion that they need to to play volleyball uh, hopefully within that 5 minutes i'm kind of stimulating them by making them do some movements they haven't done before you know maybe i'm mixing planes uh doing a lateral karaoke karaoke kind of uh, movement with my legs while maybe swimming with my arms in a frontal plane or sorry in a, in a sagittal plane uh maybe you know a novel kind of combination of exercises that makes them think i you know i don't want zombies in my warm-up uh, but generally it's just going to be getting them warm if i'm given more time of course we're going to add a couple of stretches like three to five big bang for the buck stretches that um that that get a bunch of joints working um you know i believe in adding end range of motion strength so um it, it, some of the stretches might look a little bit like uh you know it's kind of come from the camp of functional range conditioning or or weighted stretches things like that but um if i'm given more time then maybe at the end i get to do some neurological stimulating stimulation stuff uh, you know rapid response or play a game or something that's more at game speed but you know if, if we talk about just components of a warm up if we're just ticking a box and you're looking for me to say um foam rolling and our soft tissue work and then we have to do neuro we have to do some sort of a pap at the very end uh some stuff to get uh, neurally excited i'm not going to say that because i honestly think that your warm up needs to be an ever changing dynamic structure that always is reacting to what the biggest need of that team is at the time. So if if my coach comes to me and says, "Hey, Rhett, listen, we really need to work on our speed. We're simply too slow on blocking, we're too slow on defense," then I got my my warm-up should look like speed sessions. Like I should have timing gates out at the end of warm-up and we should be going for max speed and I should be publishing those results so the girls know it matters. Like if my team uh, you know, has a rash of shoulder aches, then it should look like a therapy session. I should be working every day with my physical therapist to make sure that we are doing, you know, a dedicated amount of shoulder therapy in every single session. If my team is stressed out, then we should be laughing and having fun during warm up. Like that's where we can be playing games that I have stolen from physical education teachers across the world. It's where we're, you know, uh, this is where we could dance. Theoretically, we could do, <laughs> you could, you could, that could do that if you were so inclined. <laughs> could if, if you were the type of coach that did those kind of things, <laughs> you could do, right. You could dance in that instance. So for me, like that's, I guess my, my long winded answer is that, you know, it, it is everything that I need it to be. And I'm reluctant to give exact components because it could be strength training. It could be anything. All it has to do is get their body warm. And within that umbrella, uh, you know, shame on you if you do the exact same jumping jacks and jump rope medley every single day of these athletes time with you. Like that's that's a huge miss when it comes to um, being able to, I think, you utilize that time to be more constructive. I think that's a fantastic perspective and it leads us quite nicely onto the next part as well. So the, the mental side of things, um, <clears throat> how can a coach or an athlete then themselves 
ensure that they're mentally prepared during that warm up because what you've just said, the, the physical side is important, but only to a certain point, maybe. And mentally, there's also some gains to be made there. So how do you think that they can then ensure that they are completely mentally switched on and ready to perform? This is a really great question. And, and there's two answers to it, depending on whether or not you're talking about a pre-practice warm-up or a pre-competition warm-up, which I mentally, I go at from two different directions. Let me talk about the training, like just a practice training warm-up. Um, this is, is a place where mentally I need my athletes that are oftentimes elite athletes, knowing is a safe place to fail and look stupid and laugh at yourself and not take yourself too seriously. Because what I'm going to try to do during a pre-practice warm-up is at least have certain facets of it that make them uncomfortable, that make put them into movements. And then I'm just going to keep keep progressing the movements and difficulty until people are failing. I, I want them kind of exploring the messy outer edges of their athleticism. You know, so if all I have to do is get you warm, then, you know, if if it's a something as a, uh, you know, an acceleration skip, if it's a day where I'm working on first step, three step speed, then the moment that they can do a nice march, then they go to a skip. And if the moment they can do a nice looking run, then maybe I'm making them do it, holding a stick over their head. And if that looks good, a medicine ball over their head, or if that looks good, um, you know, they have to do it you know, reactive. Um, and if that looks good, maybe they're closing their eyes. Like I'm making shit up right now, but <laughs> I'm going to progressively like make things harder. You know, I'm going to throw things at them. I'm, we're going to have to work with Frisbees or hula hoops. You know, it, doesn't you know it can either be a crucial volleyball movement or it can just be what i deem kind of a movement puzzle ready to that they have to figure out and you know in that way i'll use any weird implements i can get my hands on like i said hacky sacks hula hoops balloons sticks any cheap thing i can to 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 kind of make them fail so mentally i need them to be in a place where they're ready to look like a little bit of an ass for a while but the athletes will know that by the end, I'm going to make them feel better, that it will get better and they will gain mastery. This actually reminds me of something we had this year on the German team. We had our our one of our best players uh, rejoin the team a month late. She had had she played two seasons of club ball instead of one. And she played right up into the beginning of the season. She needed a rest. So we let her take off the first. She didn't have to play the first tournament, which gave her an extra month of rest. Well, in that month, the rest of the team had kind of gotten a feel for this mental side of things where they look and feel silly and then they get some mastery and it gets better. Well, when she joined us, it was a real hit to her ego. Um, you know, especially her seeing herself as the best or one of the best players on our team. Now she is the main one looking silly. You know, she's the main one feeling completely uncomfortable at the beginning of practice. And like, it, you know, if I could do it over again, I think I would have taken her aside and tried to give her some tips or, or tried to make warm up a little bit different for her because it was, it was absolutely tough for her. Um, so that's kind of my answer actually for, for the mental side of things from a pre-training standpoint. Like I, I, I need it to be a safe place for failing. Um, now when it comes to pre-competition, no chance, like completely different mental process because I want them feeling like I need them having a swagger. Like I want them feeling 
just completely confident when the other team is across the net. Like I am doing movements that are more well rehearsed that they've done before. Of course, within a very same structure, like I'm going to use the same structure for warm up during competition. That's not at all true during practice, but during the competition warm up, the structure remains the same. It's just within that there are parts where they have to be reactive to what I'm saying. And, and like everyone who's seen the video knows there could be a stupid dance that I throw in there that gets them also smiling, feeling confident. Um, We like distracting the other team, making the other team think that we know something that, that we're doing things a little differently, maybe a little bit more fun. Um, all of that, I think, is really important for pre-competition warm-up. That's kind of the fundamental difference. I think that's a, a really key difference as well, right? The, the difference between being ready to to fail and to, to better yourself and being ready to right. go and show the world what you can do. That's a, that's a huge difference mentally, and I think it's really interesting the way that you uh, managed to attack that differently. And then what I wanted to come on to as, as kind of a way to sum all this up and put it into a, a practical context is, is to ask you to do some kind of, um, some kind of case study. Like how would you, uh, go about then designing a warm up either for your athletes or how can an athlete go about designing a warm up for themselves so that they can consider, consider all of the important physical and mental factors? Got it. So I think, uh, uh there's a couple things to consider. First of all, if, if, as if you're talking about um, a whole team or let's say we're talking about an individual athlete, that athlete has to ask themselves, hey, what is the biggest handbrake that is on in my training right now? Like what what if I ask my head coach, what would he think I need to work on? You know, um, I know maybe that that athlete says, I know that every time I land, it hurts my lower back. Well, maybe that's your biggest handbrake. Whatever the biggest performance gain or gains where wherever the biggest performance gains can be had that should be a theme of most of your warm-ups like don't do don't do jumping jacks you know or or skips that aren't going to you know that are just serving to warm you up when you're you have shoulder problems you should be doing turkish get-ups to warm up to, you know there's no there's no reason that you've chosen to do um these kind of time tested boring warmups when something else would be more beneficial for you. So that's the first question to ask. Uh, second thing would be like, what kind of stuff do you have available? Like I'm somebody that loves toys. I mean, you can hear, I talk about it all the time. Like I'm every time I take join a new team, I'm figuring out what kind of crap you have. Do you have tennis balls? Like I have, I have seven different tennis ball warmups that are going to be fun and confusing. Um, but if you had medicine balls or whatever, you know, things that you have a, a, enough of that you can use for a team practice, that's also like what kind of stuff do you have? Let's say let's say I have medicine balls and and let's say, you know, my team just generally is looking for um, let's say it's the beginning of the season. My coach wants them to be more stable in passing um, in their passing platform, their their serve receive or something like that. Well, I would probably. um and I brainstorming with coaches, you know, I can come up with a lot of different ideas, but um, we would do something where maybe uh, the athletes are tossing the medicine balls at each other and the person who's catching it has to get into a perfect volleyball platform and catch it and immediately stiffen and brace themselves. All right. So it's not letting the medicine ball push them around and, and the person throwing the ball to them has to move farther and farther back or throw the ball harder and harder. This is low level strength. Um, stiffness, bracing, um, all of, none of it's going to get anybody hurt to do when they're completely cold. All of it is fundamental for warmups or sorry for volleyball. Uh, or maybe they're catching it overhead to simulate a, a great 
setting position. Uh, regardless, that would be maybe one part of what I would call a, a thermogenic super circuit. And so I might have four of my athletes uh, in one place doing that. Uh, maybe another four or five athletes, six athletes are laying on the ground, holding the medicine ball overhead, and they are just raising that medicine ball and holding it for five seconds um, off the ground and then kissing the ground and coming back up. And maybe they're trying to do that for 45 seconds or whatever time allotment I've, I've decided for the super circuit. Um, if there's not enough medicine balls, then maybe they're just doing a handstands against the wall, like some low level strength, but also activation um, and more importantly, thermogenic exercises. Um, maybe they're sitting in you know split squat positions or lunge positions and they're throwing the medicine ball back and forth between each other, trying to knock, knock each other off balance. Maybe that's a game that I've set up in one little corner. Um, you know, maybe they are. I, I, you know, I don't know, um, doing medicine ball exchanges, anything like that. So I've set up a circuit and we'll do that for like five or six minutes, all going through maybe once or twice uh, each time. I know at the end of that, I'm going to have them all warm enough to play volleyball right there. I know that the coaches are going to be stoked because I'm working on something, at least one thing that is volleyball specific that they've told me to work on. You know, my physical therapist could sit there at one of the stations and note to the girls that can't, you know, maybe raise the raise the volleyball very high above their their heads while they're laying in a uh, prone position. Um, anyway, it could be we could be ticking a lot of boxes just there. Once we finished all that, maybe I, I bring everybody together in a circle and we do three, four, five stretches that hit the most important segments that I need to play volleyball. Like I need I need great ankles to protect our knees. I need great hips to protect knees and low backs. So we we do a big gnarly hip stretches. We do a really dedicated um, ankle work. We do T-spine mobility as well because, of course, that will help our shoulders and uh, and stretch our shoulders as well. Once I've gotten those four things, I don't want to spend much time stretching. You know, this, the, the benefits of stretching are dubious at best, and I believe in it, but I'm not going to waste a ton of time doing it. I'm also not wasting any time foam rolling. Same thing. Dubious. And if you need it, do it on your own beforehand. Uh, after that, I would bring the girls together and we would I'd find other things we can do with those medicine balls that are now more dynamic. Maybe we're we're throwing them at angles while um, we try to brace, but also now we're moving. Maybe we're one girl's moving backward and one girl's moving forward. Maybe we're moving laterally. Maybe maybe we are doing crossover mechanics that are specific to volleyball. Maybe we have the ball ball and outstretched arms and we are trying to whip our torso around while we do a blocking specific um, crossover movement. That's going to get my, my coaches stoked too, because that's something very fundamental for volleyball. Or maybe we're just playing a stupid game. Maybe, you know, one girl has to be doing rapid response feet while the other girl, you know, with her hands on top of a ball, if you can imagine, she'd have her hands on top of the ball. Her partner's just holding the ball underneath. And when the partner drops the ball at a random interval, the girl has to whip her hands underneath, grab the ball and toss it as high in the air as possible. And maybe that's our ender. Maybe maybe I just see, hey, in 15 seconds, who can throw the ball over the net, then duck under the net and catch it and repeat the most times. Like, I'll make up a stupid game. But it it will progress from slower things to more, um, I guess, uh, intensive exercises. And, and from there, it's just uh, what creativity, like what can I steal from the, from Instagram that I think I can apply <laughs> to my athletes uh, in a safe and productive manner. That's, that's better than the millions of skips and a skips and uh, jump rope things they've done all their lives. 
I think uh, that's a, a quick nudge towards the the Instagram to make sure that you're keeping up to date with all the cool stuff. But um, <laughs> like, like, do you like how I, I work that in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's super clever, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've got a uh, hundred thousand followers uh, on there by now, making sure that they're, they're up to date with all the latest games. But um, no, that, that was that was fantastic. I think if you if you look at the amount of different games you've just delivered, that's uh, some absolutely brilliant food for thought. And before you leave, I want to I want to pick your brain for one last thing, and that is, what do you think is the one thing that you see or do differently, which the rest of the world can learn from? I think you just I think you just hit on it, and I hadn't thought of this before we started talking, but. Um, I mentioned it before, but I think that warm up should be messy. I think that that if you're doing it right, it shouldn't look like some beautifully choreographed, you know, movements that make it look like you're the commander of this really well-trained army. I think that rookie coaches tend to want a warm up that makes them as a coach look good, like they've really trained their athletes very very well. I think they do that at the expense of the messy outer edges of athleticism that make the athletes actually more in, engage their athleticism more. So, so, but to that end, I believe you have to spend a ton of energy and time planning for it. Even though the output might look messy and I want them failing, uh, the input is that I have a massive Excel file on my computer filled with probably 200 unique warmups that use every implement that I can think of. If I just have a bunch of ballpoint pens to my like available, I have a ballpoint pen warm up, right? <laughs> so, so like I always want to show them a different thing every time we go out there. There are fundamental movements we do, but generally speaking, as long as I'm ticking boxes, I'm going to try to challenge them in every single different way. So, so I guess my short answer is that I believe in messy warm ups that unfortunately take a long time, that take a lot of my brain power to to organize. Oh, absolutely brilliant and uh, thank you very much for your fantastic answers I think I'm going uh, to spend some time uh, trying to hack into your computer to find that Excel file and uh, <laughs> you can spend the next hour or two trying to stop me no, uh, Brett, thank you very much for your time today. it's been a pleasure talking and I really appreciate all your hard work for us today so thank you oh, man. this is great for me thanks thank you very much buddy and that's it once again a massive thanks to Rep for all of his hard work on today's podcast I really appreciate it and I'm sure you do at home too and before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy. And the Coach Academy is a series of lectures broken into bite-sized chunks. So if you're interested, you can get into the Coach Academy completely for free using the link in the show notes. And that will give you access to tons of fantastic lectures on a variety of sports science topics. And if you have enjoyed today's podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you can give us a rating and a review. That means that we can keep bringing you the best possible guests and, of course, the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks for me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.